All right, welcome to the Student Success Exchange podcast, a series of deep conversations about real student stories between a student affairs professional and the students he serves. I'm your host, David Ipyam, a student affairs professional and a leadership educator committed to assisting proactive students to level up. When I'm not working with couples to maximize their relationships through relationshipzen.ca or with professionals to elevate their game through change intelligence and with families to learn martial arts at Mind Over Matter Karate, I'm facilitating spaces with students who want to be high performers and game changers. The idea behind this interview style podcast is to learn from the experience of students who are striving and persevering through post-secondary education to better understand how they make sense of their journey and to identify the skills they use throughout the process. So before we jump into this episode, I just want to let students and those who support students know that I'll be creating an online course in summer 2019 in which I guide students through a unique self-reflective and experiential framework to clarify their personal philosophy, surround themselves with the confidence, mindfulness, and recovery strategies for high impact and performance, and avoid common pitfalls that can sabotage the student experience. So sign up for updates if you're interested at davidipyam.com forward slash student dash success. All right, we've made it to episode six. Our guest, Jennifer, shares her experience as a multilingual and international francophone individual who moved to Toronto and developed a passion for learning, psychology, leadership, and helping people. This episode is loaded with passion and inspiration. Can't wait for you to be inspired. Hi, Jennifer, and welcome to the Student Success Exchange. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good, David. Thank you for having me today. This is so exciting. We're really happy to have you. Could you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners, please? That's an interesting question that always come up and I always have a difficulty answering. But bottom line, I think I'm Jennifer Schwery, a passionate psychology student who loves to be involved everywhere. Excellent. So Jennifer, why don't you begin by telling us where you're local to? Where I'm local to? I believe just by the fact that I was born in a place that I truly enjoy, but I lived in another one, and now I'm yet in another place that I feel local to Quebec, yet, you know, specifically where I was born, more also to Lebanon, where my family is, and where I live most of my life, the culture that I learned, and now to Toronto, because that's where I learned my English, that's where I developed my, you know, current self, so it's kind of a mix of the three. Thank you. And what led you to Glendon? It was actually haphazard. Um, I always wanted to become a criminologist and therefore I definitely did not apply to Glendon because you didn't have that program. But then I decided that I might want to switch into psychology. And when I did, when I applied to York, they wouldn't accept me for my English level, which was none. Um, and so they mentioned Glendon and I got so excited because it looked like a beautiful campus. Although I didn't hear about it, it was a great opportunity, and this is where I learned English. So it wasn't just any opportunity. It made me learn a new language and find a new passion in my life. Wow. And when was that in relation to... When when was Glendon in relation to uh, when you moved to Toronto? That was exactly the same week, actually. So So I was in Lebanon for my high school. And as soon as I finished that, my dad moved here before we did and thought that he was applying for me, except there were some documents missing that he couldn't figure out. And he didn't tell me that none of the applications went through. 
So I arrive here mid-August and all applications are already closed. Yet I went, I went into York and I managed to finish an application that was transferred to Glendon and I got to acceptance for psychology and environmental studies. And that's when I had to make the choice. Oh, okay, so one or the other. Yeah. And then you chose psychology. I chose psychology and I thought maybe I would be doing something related to the environment in clubs because that's something that I did in my high school. Mm. And uh, now being in psychology and having done a number of, how many years have you done now in, in psychology here? So I've done four, four years, four, four years. Right. Um, in between, I did take a sabbatical to work at a hospital with a clinical neuropsychologist. So I was a psychometrist for a year, which gave me more experience, more passion toward the uh, major, and I completed my fourth year this year. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And can you tell us more about some aspects of your identity, your values, your interests or ambitions? I like that you mentioned them in the plural because I definitely am not interested in just the one thing. I'm interested in psychology, in music, and learning, and the environment, being around people, learning new things from them, about them, um, helping others, um, bridging gaps that I find. I'm very observant. One of my values is family and friendship, uh, compassion for sure. Leadership is one that I feel encompasses a lot. And by that, I, I probably am thinking about uh, a quote by Robin Sharma who says, uh, leadership means helping people become better than they would have become on their own. So that's what leadership is to me, this feeling of support, of modeling things and um, I think those are my core values that are more umbrella terms. And this is why, because I can't really focus on one. I feel I have a lot of uh, values that interconnect. Well, I can feel that uh, you're passionate about what you're talking about because you kind of, you're able to say all those things like just in an instant, like that it's, it's yeah. in you, right? Yeah, I see my tone of voice also change when it I did. talk about things that I... And your, hand, like. your body language too. That's very, funny. very interesting. Uh, so how have those aspects of your identities uh, interests, ambitions, shaped your student experience? Coming to Glendon, I was very, very shy. Like the type that wouldn't want to put myself in a situation where I have to talk about things and do things that I like to do. But fortunately enough, when I was just sitting in the breezeway, doing my own work in It's like an open classes, space in Glendon, right? Open space for sure, yeah. A student, um, comes and tell me there's this opportunity to take five courses in leadership, but you have to apply online. So another thing which is outside of my comfort zone back then is to do things online and not in person and see how people interact. Yet I wanted to try that experience because I saw that there was something that's called the Lion's Den team, which I just wanted to join. I just wanted to be able to have a role to be able to do things to help others because I knew that I would probably be too shy to do it on my own. And just for context for our listeners, the Lion's Den is the peer mentoring kind of hub for the, the campus. So you saw this Glendon Leadership Workshop Series. And I joined and you were actually delivering those uh, with another student. And I just loved it because that was the first time I actually hear the word leadership. Hmm. I don't know why it's not a word that was used before, maybe because it's mainly an English uh, word and that wasn't one of my languages. So it's it wasn't just 
going into the language, but more into everything that the language holds. Um, so I learned about leadership. I loved it. I took all the key messages and I tried to use them on campus. I tried to use them to also break my my cubicle, maybe my, what I had as barriers, just so that I could be able to accomplish what I think I could. And I think that I did most of that. Hmm. Um, so. So, so what sounds like the, am I right to assume that the leadership workshop series for you was kind of a turning point or something? It was, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and why is that? What, what happened? So first I needed to know what leadership is. Um, and when I'm there, it was also kind of like pushing myself to learn the language because everybody was engaging in English. I was the only Francophone in the room and I found it hard to find these words. So I kind of had the concept because who doesn't have the concept of leadership, even if they didn't have the words for it? Because it's not something very different from what I knew before, but it's just that I had a label to it now. So just this idea of pushing myself to use a language that I haven't used before to express such beautiful big concepts and then be able to communicate with you and then apply for the, again, the lines then which we just talked about that gave me this frontier to meet new students, um, to feel that I'm having a role, I'm doing something for students. And once you start communicating with students, you start to see gaps that you want to fill. So I like psychology. I was in an environmental uh, club. That was fine. But then I didn't see anybody in psychology connecting together to do something. And that's why I built a club after that. So it was one thing after the other. First time I volunteered because I didn't know what volunteering was before because that wasn't an option where I was. Um, that landed me my first job ever here in Canada. And it was a work study position just because I volunteered with uh, someone. So everything kind of rippled and I got to where I am today. And I was able to finish my degree, not just by focusing on academics, but more on extracurriculars. Wow, this is, this is powerful. Um, so now I understand why you said you're a gap seeker, because that, that's the, the gaps, you're looking for those gaps and, that, and that's what you're saying is kind of like one thing led to another. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm still curious a bit more about your student journey for our listeners, those of uh, those of um, them who, who don't know a bit more detail. So after the leadership workshop series, you then joined the Lions Den as a peer mentor. Um, talk to us a bit more about your experience from from that point on. Like what 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 um, work study positions did you have, or what were your class experiences, and some milestones. So of course, if. I want to start like from how I picked my courses. I thought that I would have courses to fill every day like I did in high school. And that wasn't the case. Here you take five courses. And I found myself on Wednesdays with a six hour gap between my morning class and my night class. And I didn't know what to do. That's where I joined my environmental club. And I also took the leadership series. So I filled my time and I did satisfy my idea of a class, which is coming here in the morning, leaving in the evening or afternoon. And again, one thing led to another, and then I got my first job as, uh, like I worked with the Office of Advancement and External Relations. At the same time as I was a peer mentor, I got my first position in a club because I was then in my second year. That's when you can join the Lions then and any clubs as an exec because you first need to join and then 
you know, develop some um, skills that would help you become an exec. Uh, after that, I had to work more on what I did. I listened to more students. I wanted to help a friend to realize her dream on campus, which was to create a meditation club. But of course, she couldn't do that on her own. So I helped her organize it, advertise for it, because that's one of the things that I did. And I believe that at that point in my second year, the clubs that I were in were the first to be fully bilingual. The reason being, of course, because I was a Francophone and everything around me was in English, and it was hard for me to understand. But eventually, it ended up being me who translated to both, and that also helped me. So being fully immersed in English was great. Um, and it also made the club more valuable by adding the French that I had. Um, so that's when I moved to the next thing, which is to open my neuropsych club. And then I took a sabbatical. So when I came back, I had to leave my environmental club. Although at that point, I had changed the name because we discovered that another campus wanted to join the organization with Jean Goodall. So we had to change the name from Glendon Roots and Shoots to uh, Jane Goodall Roots and Shoots Glendon Chapter, because now we had three chapters across Canada. Um, but I was fortunate enough to find someone to take on the leadership positions that I had. And I was happy that those who did found their weaknesses and told me that they couldn't go with the club for longer. And then I found someone who was fit to continue with the club for me to be able to withdraw and just focus on what I wanted to focus. So it was just really one club to another. And when I came back from my uh, year off, I got a job as the uh, student well-being ambassador, which again means that I have to look at things that are missing in terms of well-being and try as much as possible to either provide or at least make suggestions to those who can change things around universally. And I hope that I did something that students felt helped them or that at least um, made them feel better in some ways. Absolutely. And I think you, uh, having seen some of the social media posts, or the communications that you'd worked on, um, you broke some new territory for the Accessibility Wellbeing Counseling Center that, that uh, years from now people will be able to continue to build on. So um, something that didn't exist before and now you've, you've introduced that to the center. Instagram and then the, the, the intentionality with which you post it across the different platforms to communicate key messages that would help students develop in terms of well-being and mm -hmm. things like that, right? Um, you brought up language a number of times. So mm -hmm. when you entered first year, did you say you had zero or next to no English? Next to no. Uh, no, yeah. I said next to no, that's because I had to do the uh, SAT, right. which of course you told me that it was not English, right. <laughs> although it was. So... Um, yeah, basically my English level was very basic. My typing level was very basic too, because I didn't really use my computer for high school. So when I did my interest exam for Glendon, I think I went into like a low average, like I don't, they didn't tell you the average, but it was really the first level of English classes. When I took these classes, I got an A plus and the professor was amazed. They're like, how could you do that when your interest exam didn't reflect this? And I said there's a number of issues, like the speed, like just, you know, familiarity with the language. And being immersed for a year in that class in an English environment, whether in clubs, in work, in 
anywhere, even though my classes, or the classes I intentionally picked were French, English was not really far from there. So of course my English got better. And now sometimes, although I do have an accent, I don't know why people still say that, oh, you really are not Anglophone? So it's yeah. kind of surprising. Yeah, you, you've learned quickly, eh? I, yeah. Wow. I mean, French is very close, so it's not like I'm like the super fast learner. Like, I wouldn't take that on me being sure. super. Of course, I had French, and French and English come from similar roots, and that definitely helped. Right. So, um, good segue. In what ways have you changed or remained unchanged since the beginning of your studies at Glendon, if you had to summarize, like, adjectives or characteristics? The passion is still the same. Um, my shyness is still there, but it's not preventing me from action anymore. And that's something that I'm happy with. Because otherwise, if I didn't do the things I did in my first year, I would probably wouldn't have broke these barriers, and I would have still been like a regular student who would go through her degree without doing anything on campus. So I'm really glad I get these opportunities one after the other and that I took them. How did you work through the shyness? Or how do you live, like how did you navigate or use that shyness? I guess it's just some of my characteristics. I'm someone who's very open, someone who is non-judgmental or the least judgmental one could be because of course we all have our biases but at least I know them. And this is one of my strengths, the fact that I know when I'm doing something in a biased manner, so that I know to withdraw from it or just change my perspective on it. And that made people uh, believe in me and also trust me. And when someone trusts you, they tell you things, and those things you could use in a specific way to help make things better. And the fact that I got these opportunities and that people trusted me and that I felt safe as well in this environment because it's such a beautiful community here to be at London. Like, I don't know what would have happened if I actually went to the other route that we began with criminology instead of coming to this campus and being immersed with the love here and the support from everybody. So I guess that's what made me reach where I am. Just the fact that everybody's so supporting that I'm loving what I'm doing, that I'm discovering new passions, new talents in me that people are bringing up just by the fact that they were needed and it just happened. Hmm. Wow. And, and in your story, I'm thinking a lot about, I'm hearing a lot about, um, actually, I don't want to make an assumption. What, what motivates you? I'll ask you. What motivates me is that change is possible that there is support around me, that people have expectations. And when I ask them about the reason for their expectation, they say that you can. And just saying you can just increases your motivation beyond expectation. Because whenever someone tries to tell me, why do you keep going? I feel like, oh, I shouldn't. Am I doing something wrong? And that kind of kills a little bit of my motivation. But when others say you can, you're doing right, keep doing this, it just, it just makes me do it. I wow. just love it. And not to deter motivation, but I have to ask you a challenging question. Does it ever become like, feel overwhelming? Cause some, some, sometimes personally I could, mm -hmm. I can um, be very motivated and, and do a lot of things, but I, I can sometimes run into the idea that, I mean, uh, with reality that my energy and time are limited. Um, how, 
Talk to me about it that. Does, at, at some points during my four years at university, I did have a lot of 24 hours, non-sleep, working, all the events coming together for a club, all the papers for, for classes, because they all ran on the same schedule for midterms. So if you had a midterm for this class, you definitely have other midterms. The papers were due a week before the midterms, and you had all these going on, on top of maybe personal things. Like this year was definitely a, a big challenge. I lost my grandpa and my grandma was in a year. I got other personal um, sicknesses in the family. I also got sick more than before. And I know as a psychology student that doing a lot would um, decrease, or sorry, yeah, decrease your um, immune system and definitely make you more prone to sickness. Yet I, I kept going and I wanted to do everything I could because I knew that was my time at Glendon. I had this year to do everything I wanted to achieve and then leave. And maybe I would have a break. But then I left Glendon and I got two jobs and a third one that's kind of part-time just because I want to keep doing. I, I can't stop. I feel like if I stop, it means that I can't go back to it, maybe. And that could be a wrong conception. Um, it's just that I don't want to be there in the inactivity. Right. I want to keep doing it. And I'm loving the support. I'm loving what I do. And just seeing the outcomes is rewarding enough to keep the motivation. Right. And it does, does it sound like even though you are uh, doing so many things that you're able to balance the health needs? Or... I, I would hope that I am. So I'm definitely hoping not to ever go to the burnout. But I'm not saying that, yeah, after these four years, I'm now feeling a bit tired that I want to step down a little bit, but not to definitely just kill the vibes. But I mean, I studied psychology and well-being and I understand the values of that. And that's something that I preach. And I hate saying things to others and not doing it. This is why this year I'm really trying to do things in a more balanced and moderate way. Cool. Just so that I would be more authentic and lead, like kind of modeling the way instead of just yeah. telling them what I learned. Right. And that, that is good. Right. And you test a different way of being. So I it's did. It's a test, right? Absolutely. Um, I don't mean like a test like an exam, but I mean like an experiment. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, very interesting. So now we have a, a very good overview of how you view certain things. I want to ask you some more questions. How do you define, think about, or articulate student success from your perspective? Well, this is a very, very relative term, I think, because each person defines what they want as success. So for me, I think just reaching the point that I reached, um, being engaged for the first time, um, learning a language fast, living in a new area that I didn't live in, were all small steps into success. So I feel that I did a lot of things that I feel successful in. Um, I have my degree now. Um, I'm a good sister, good kid in the family. So I know that these are my successes. So I feel successful in that sense. Others might feel that success meaning getting all A's. For me, that would have probably limited the amount of things that I did for extracurriculars, which I valued more. So instead of spending time reading things, I spend time observing others and trying to help them there. Mm -hmm. 
So um, is there a tension? Is there an inherent tension sometimes between co-curricular and curricular, academic and extracurricular? There could be, yes. Um, How does one make sense of that? So, or navigate that. The thing is, I didn't feel like I needed to study as much because I thought that just the fact that I'm passing all my courses, I'm doing well in them, I'm understanding the material, I could explain it, I could show, like, some people actually say that I breathe psychology. It's probably because I talk about it every day, all the time, I have nerdy jokes, I created some as well. <laughs> I love it so much that that's it. What's in class, I take it, I observe it, I try to analyze it, try to ask questions about it. But once I'm outside of class, I keep that information and now I could move on to doing something else like the co-curricular, work on campus or outside of campus. So I didn't really need to have these two. Now, what it clashes with, if you really want to have all of this, is maybe I had limited time at home. So in first year, I did have the experience of being here from 9 to, to 9 because of my classes, and I filled the six-hour gap because it wasn't worth it going back home and coming back. And somehow, I went into the habit of making that an everyday here at Glendon, except for Fridays where I worked outside. And I didn't have really courses, so that there wasn't a motive for me being here except for clubs or events. So, yeah, maybe I did something wrong of making it a habit of being here every day and night and not being with my family as much as they would probably have hoped. But I'm pretty sure they're proud of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I hear that in what my little sister says and you know, what she aspires to be and how she sees me as a role model. I was just going to say, it probably did a lot to model for your family. Um, so now with the question around student success, I'm gonna flip it to the institution. So mm -hmm. what should the goal of Glendon and or universities or colleges be from your perspective? I think they need to create, create thinkers to um, provide them with a really safe environment where their mental health needs are met and their successes are fostered hmm. so what i mean by that is um we're, we're all unique and that's what makes what makes like the universe good is that we're not all the same we're not following the same things we complete each other and i always told them that i'd rather have us like pieces of puzzles to make a big picture to paint something nice than to be the same piece and not fit together um, and I feel that universities should kind of step away from the notion of this is a great that you merit, but more what you did has a, a meaning for life and, and you should be rewarded for it and we should create something for you to be able to um, just progress for yourself and, and feel better and maybe do something better. Like as a human and contributor. Yeah, just, just building contributors. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Because what's what's an A plus when you can't really apply anything with it? Right. And so give back to society and that's exactly it. Wow. Because if see when I was younger, and by young I mean probably four or five, I would have probably thought that 
Um, I wanted to change the world. I want to be uh, someone who makes the world better. But now my view is just by doing, just by saying hi to someone, you brighten their day. And if you do a smaller action like that, you would make them feel good. You would make them feel that it, it was meaningful. And when they think that a small thing is meaningful, they would know that if they did it to someone else, it might be meaningful as well. And so it becomes a ripple and everybody wants to make something meaningful because they understand the meaning of the small gesture. And then when we all do this, that's what makes a better word. It's not just the one person. It's just the feeling of what you received and just giving it back. I love that. Um, is that part of your life philosophy? What is your life philosophy? I don't know if I have one. I just, I just live and, and just try to take a little bit of every person who touched me. So I took a lot from you. I took a lot from my teachers, my professors, uh, people I worked with, students, younger kids. I taught younger kids. You could learn from a three-year-old, from a two-year-old. There's always something that you could learn. And if you just take the best in each, you could create your own kind of philosophy. I don't know how to put it in word. I don't know what creates a philosophy, but it's really just about learning from others what is meant for you to learn and be able to use it for the greater good. Wow. So I'm curious to know where the psychological framework comes, your way you see yourself and people. So I'll ask it this way. What are the things in your life, circumstances mm -hmm. or other, which have either made success easier or more difficult for you to experience? And maybe not success if you don't like it that way, but experience. Depends how you view success, of course. Um, definitely the type of relationship and the connections I made made it easier at times to, of course, so there are two types of relationships that one could form. The good ones, the toxic ones, maybe bad negative ones. And of course, when I say, well, both of them would make you better because you would learn what not to do from the people who are toxic to you because you're going to be toxic, toxic to someone else. Um, so I learned definitely from them, but I got the motivation and the power to get to success from those who were models to me, not those who were bad. Um, so, so your yeah, the power of your net your your connections, your network, the people, yeah. relationships. It, it both it drives you. It it is, seems to be a central force in your learning and your passion. You can't work alone. One hand cannot clap. You, you just can't <laughs> be the the leader, the the one and only. No, that that doesn't work. There's always something that made you reach that point. Yes, of course, maybe um, finishing that paper for this class, which earned me maybe an A, is something I did on my own. But if I didn't meet that person who made me like psychology to go into that class because I heard good news about this professor, I wouldn't have went to that class to get this A. Right. So it's all really about right. the connection, the choices we make in our lives, the sacrifices we make, and the learning that we yeah. And, and if I could add, the, the paper that you write that's an A probably uh, relied on and depended on great research from other people, right? Absolutely. So other authors, theorists, and stuff like that. So that's, and that's the just observations great. as well, because where do you get your theory? That's right. By looking at things happen in front of you. That's right. So yeah, it's also not you. And you, I guess you subscribe to the leadership uh, paradigm that says leadership is relational mm -hmm. in part right? and purposeful and uh, yeah, process-oriented, right? Yeah. Okay, awesome. 
So when have you felt most engaged in the curriculum or co-curriculum? Can you tell us a time? We're like sweet spot. Yeah. First year was definitely amazing because first year I was still thinking I'm gonna be here just so that I would secure a place in university and then I would go back to finish fulfill my dream of being this um, crime scene investigator, kind of like in movies. I've got it. I'm the problem solver. And then I discovered that I could be a problem solver in psychology, someone who could figure out the reasons behind people's behavior, uh, what happens in the brain. So all of these are discoveries. Why do I have to make it in a crime scene? I could do it in a way that also helps others um, in good ways. So yes, I, I thought that that was a, a good moment for me being in first year because I had a supporting professor um, she taught us really well, and she probably kind of, uh, she ignited my love for psychology, and that's oh, nice. where I s stayed in psychology. So that was, a, I think, a, a great moment. That was in French, like l'élément déclencheur, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. So, um, talking about engaged, now, could you tell us a story of when you've um, most struggled and then triumphed in the end? So was was kind of wanting to still not fail, although I'm not caring about grades as well. One could have a fear of failure that comes in. So of course, I do have a bit of that. And according to science, um, there's a lot of research, research on that. A lot of researchers just dedicated their lives to research procrastination. So a lot of times when you're doing too much and you feel like, um, you have too much on your plate and you don't want to drop things, drop the ball, that this fear of failure kicks in and makes you procrastinate. So this, in times like this, I would be thinking about ideas, um, exercising my creativity, but the action is lacking. And so I did hit some moments like that in university where I was like, I don't want to have to do this paper tonight. Why is everything due? Why am I behind, although I'm like on top of things everywhere else? Um, yeah, I did ha hit these moments, but I managed to finish everything on time still with, with things like that. So how do you, what strategies did you use to kind of um, counter procrastination and perfectionism, that kind of thing? Counter perfectionism? I don't think I really mastered the way to counter uh, perfectionism. I did try for sure. I um, I tried to be more organized in writing the things that I want. Even like I did something that might sound crazy. I actually put a, a paper on each door because I knew that when I'm thinking, I sometimes like to walk around the house. And so my sisters were like, what are you trying to do here? But I was writing ideas because I thought that maybe brainstorming would get them out and then I would polish them later. They don't have to come out polished like they typically come with me. And this is actually why I didn't prepare anything for this interview. Because I wanted to see what I could say just when I'm in the moment with you. Make it as authentic, as natural, like we're having a natural conversation outside of a, you know, a structured meeting. It feels natural. Uh, how are you feeling in the moment? I'm feeling good. It's it's nice to share this because it's making me reflect and that's another thing that I do all the time. I always like to reflect on moments that happened in my life to see what I learned, what I could have done differently, 
sometimes what you have done differently could be problematic. Like you would get stuck on that. But I try to like just think of it could have been better because this is easy to do next time. Yeah, you use it as a case study so for I, your future. Exactly. Right. That's as opposed to getting stuck it. into something Absolutely. and self self yeah. uh, judging, right? <laughs> so you talked about some of the skills you developed along the way. Um, I think you're you, you're demonstrating a lot of self awareness, right? It's reflective. Mm-hmm. But what other skills have you developed throughout your undergraduate experience that will serve you moving forward in your life? Communication skills. Um, I know that sometimes my ideas run faster than I could speak. And I feel it. I felt it in the class and I actually had the occasion to discuss them with one of my leadership professors. They gave me some key points and told me that I actually got better from first day to the last, the last day of our class in terms of how I structure the way I speak, and the messages I want to get across. You said that I have the points, but I just need to be able to bring them across, make them understandable, and let people listen to me. And I think I got better at that. So this is a skill that I was afraid I might not be able to develop, but I did. In fact, one of the times I had a presentation I was really scared about, and after that in the comment, the professor said I was charismatic. And I went to my my friends and I told them, well, so my professor wrote that I'm charismatic. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I'm really good. I'm shy and I'm nervous and all. They're like, no, you're the most charismatic we've heard. So I was like, what is it that I'm not saying about myself? How yeah. can I see it so that I could keep improving on it? So, um, yeah, interesting. Because you said at the beginning that you have your you identify as a shy person. But there's also this external feedback you're receiving that you're quite charismatic. Yeah. How do you make sense of that? That I still don't. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think I have a, an explanation or an understanding of why it happens. But it's probably this motivation and the passion that I have yes. that needs to come across at some point. And I think it does come across in certain areas when I feel maybe comfortable with the people I am with. And I'm definitely comfortable with you. So that kind of makes it easier. Right. And then I think you're excited about the, the content as well, am, right? Yeah. Psychology and your, yourself as, a, as, a, as, a, sure. as a, an experiment, something to study, yeah. right? To an extent. Okay, now I've got a couple of lightning round questions that are more on the personal nature. Um, okay, so uh, what happens to you when things get hard in life? I am known as a very sensitive person. So when things are hard, they definitely have a toll on me. But when I have a commitment to others, I definitely always try and make those commitments happen. I always follow them. I always um, do everything it takes um, to just do what others are needing. And so there, I had this conversation, in fact, with one of my teachers from before. I told her, how come When I have something urgent to do, I'm unable to do it. But if anybody, my sister, my friend, anybody I know requests something from me, I do it to the full. I do it better than I would have if that was a task for me. How come does it, like, in what mind would it be explained or who could believe this? Because I don't. Um, And I think it's just the idea of really wanting to be there for others that I try to put on myself so that I could finish my work. Do, do you, um, interesting, do you sometimes put, would you say you put others' needs before yours or? Um, 
I hear that I do that. <laughs> I probably wasn't as aware that I do. Uh, but that's something that always comes up in conversations, even from people that I put uh, first, like people that I care about enough to, to make priority. Um, they always notice this and they say, when are you going to put you first? Um, and I say, well, I'm okay. I'm doing everything right. I'm, I don't feel like there's anything missing. But then they do feel that Jen puts herself after others when others need her. Right. Interesting. So how do you sometimes get in your own way? Oh, I always do that. Not just sometimes. Um, being overexcited could hinder you at times. So that's one. Um, and, the, and another one that uh, one of the professors also brought to my attention is that I could be super creative that I'm out of the world. Like I just have these crazy ideas and I'm trying to make people understand but sometimes you can't because people aren't thinking where you are. So you can't really be super, super creative. But interestingly, there's an article that I really want to read this week. Um, it's about um, creativity and research rigor or um, methodological rigor. And I think that they do co go together. So I want to see the results of that article soon. Interesting. And I'll tell you if there's something that contradicts my uh, feelings. Please do. It's something I'm interested in, actually. Um, if you had a billion dollars, mm -hmm. what would you spend that money on? Interesting. Um, what I do, and people complain about at some points, is that I spend money on learning. So um, the first job I had, I saved the money and I did a mental health first aid training. And that was after I did an assist training. That's because I knew that these are skills that would help me with people around me, would help bridge some of the gaps that I also saw. Um, conferences. So I heard about conferences, one that was near. I was like, okay, the next saving is for this. Um, I like to travel. I want to see the, the people I like. So um, I also saved and went to see my grandpa. And I was lucky to be able to do that just a year before he passed away. Um, so I really like the fact that this happened, that I got the job so that I could make this happen. Um, so yeah, mainly learning and relationships. That's, that's where great. they would go. That's great. And earlier you quoted uh, Robin Sharma, and he's a huge proponent for education and learning, informal and formal. So I'm sure he'd be, he'd be very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as, I, as we wrap up, I have another question for you. Uh, what do you hope the next generation of students get right or campuses get right? That it's okay to talk about mental health. Um, and I said health and not just illnesses because even when you don't have any pathology, there are needs that you need that needs to be met, that we take for granted. And this really affects student success. It affects the way they see themselves as um, actors in our community, our environment. Um, it either could put them at the top and make them reach their potentials or just hinder them and create problems for others when things get worse. So if students just know how to make themselves vulnerable, accept their weaknesses, work on them, and know their, or harness their um, strengths, I think that's what we need. 
just kind of knowing how we could be the better version of ourselves. And if students can do that, if they don't go into a pro program just because they think that they would fit there, but more because they actually fit there, because that's their mission, that's what they want to achieve. And I think at one point I almost kind of missed that point and uh, trying to go just to any grad program instead of really just focusing and repeating and making sure I go to the one that I need to go to because of what I believe in. So I think, yeah, just universities giving those opportunities for fit students to be in the right place and not the student who has the A plus that might not just be there because they want, but for other societal pressures or or for other things outside of their hands. I think that's a well-articulated and strong message about the importance of cultivating one's internal dialogue. I mm -hmm. think that's that's very powerful. So what's, uh, what's next for you, Jennifer? And where can people connect with you or follow you if, uh, if you have a method that you'd like to share? Um, so what's next for me? I will be working this year, um, trying to, again, get more experience in the field, make sure that I love what I love, um, do something else to just check whether I would have more interest in, because whatever we do now is something that we, we want to see ourselves be doing for the rest of our lives. And I don't want to be stuck in a place that I'm not feeling comfortable in, that I don't value, that I'm not valued in. So I saw this quote that it says, don't be with people that don't value you. You just go for people who do because these are the people that would make you better. So yeah, I think I will be working for now and hopefully applying for more graduate programs next year. Maybe take a break in between, um, explore other areas of Canada. I mean, wow. I got to go to Moya this, uh, the past months uh, for uh, a conference and I just loved it. It was totally as I expected. Oh, so, so you can see yourself back in Montreal? Or, yeah, maybe, yeah. or other areas. I know that I have a job in uh, Halifax for a week. Wow. So I'll be uh, going there to explore for the first time. Maybe go west coast, west coast next, or just travel, see more things that I didn't. And, uh, well, it sounds like um, that motto of kind of being with people who value you has really served you and the people who are around you. So I'm sure that wherever life takes you, there's be more of what you've done and more lessons to be learned. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, is there anything you want to share with us before uh, we close? Well, how do people stay in contact with you or follow you if, if you have a um, social platform or whatever? Yeah, I'm on Facebook um, with my name. So it's Jennifer and my last name is Shwery, C-H-W-E-I-R-I. -I. I'm also on Twitter, um, jshwery2. Um, and uh, on Instagram, again, Jennifer Schwery, they could follow me there. They would probably see on Facebook that I'm also a drummer. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm working as well. I, I go to some weddings um, during the summer. Oh, wow. It's a way to earn a little bit of money, but also have my passion. Another passion Another is passion. karate. <laughs> karate as well. Karate. I oh, just yeah, started, that's right. Yeah, I actually started when I was away. So I did a practicum in my third year and that connected me again with someone who is a wonderful woman very powerful she's she just has a lot of values that i truly admire 
her name is Isabelle Aubert, and she did the women's self-defense training in my first year. And I just was so scared of the idea of getting a scholarship in karate that I just forgot about it because, again, I was shy and I didn't break those boundaries yet. Uh, but when I met her at Sunnybrook, um, again, that was two years ago, I reconnected with her, I promoted her program, and I started karate, and now at the uh, green belt, first degree green belt. So, Congratulations. Yeah, I moved uh, yeah, it was it was a surprise to me that I actually was able to do something like that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, these courses are still happening at Glendon, so I urge every woman to take the women's self-defense, and I'm pretty sure there will be a similar program for men to train them about all aspects of self-defense and awareness to those issues. And again, you will be able to be eligible for a scholarship. I know I think my sister who's going to York will be probably joining me um, because she liked what I did and she did join one of the self-defense classes. So yes, um, you could be in touch with me for that as well or any inquiry about psychology, music, or women's self-defense and karate. Anything you want. <laughs> so there you have it. You, have, you can follow and not only that, but engage and have conversations with Jennifer about Absolutely. anything and everything uh, that you heard uh, and more. So thank you for your time, Jennifer. Really appreciate thank the conversation. You. Many insights that I'm sure people will value. I love the way you interview. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Still learning and having fun. <laughs>